If you like to do this, or that, or even that, and you want to stay with it, Emery's got your back, or your shoulder, or your hip, or your knee. Our sports medicine specialists treat more world-class, professional, and college-level athletes than anyone else in the state. We'll treat you like a pro and get you back in play. That's the Emory difference. Make an appointment at emoryhealthcare.org sports. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slate. It's always great to be saving money on that power bill, using technology wisely, and living a more sustainable life. Hey, Tim Eccles here, Vice Chair of the Georgia Public Service Commission. A real treat for me to be sitting with John Toby Woods, Jr. He's 91 years old. He's been very involved with Coastal Electric Cooperative. He was president of their board, and he worked on St. Catherine's Island for a long time. Mr. Woods, I have wanted to get together with you for some time, and it is great to be here in your home down in Midway, Georgia. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Good to have you. Yes. Well, you know, St. Catherine's Island, uh, not many people have heard about it. Certainly, there's only probably just a a good handful of Georgians that ever been out there. But you spent a good part of your uh, of your boyhood and life out there. You went out there when you were only three days old. Your dad worked there. You worked there. I mean, this island is a real treasure. It's very special to you, isn't it? Yes, it was home for me. That's where I was raised. Yes, all right. Yeah. So there we have it. It's John Toby Woods Jr. My short interview with him actually spent about an hour and a half in his home. I've got with me now Alan Shedd, who knows him well. Alan, Mr. Woods, serving 40 years on that EMC board. That is profound. You know, Mr. Woods is just an amazing individual. Uh, so much, so many life experiences. So, such a great guy to talk to and, and learn about, you know, the living history of the area. But I think it's indicative of, of EMC board members across the state. You know, EMCs are tremendously fortunate to be able to draw people with that level of experience, that depth, that concern for the community to help govern and manage an EMC. You know, older guys like Mr. Woods, he's 91. I mean, they have a great appreciation for the fact that these co-ops brought electricity, the greatest invention arguably in the last century, to their area, and that changed the life of people in rural parts of not just Georgia, but all over America. No question. You know, you have to. I don't think today we can really conceive of what that must have been like to go from basically living by kerosene lights and, and your schedule ruled by the sun to even the simplest thing of having a, a single light bulb. What a, what a life-changing experience that was, let alone the, the additional conveniences of you know, an electric well pump or any of a dozen things we take for granted today. You know, it, it truly was transformational. Folks like, like Mr. Woods and others who've, who've seen that transition over time, just great to talk to them and, and help us understand where we came from. You know, these EMC directors, they're serving, I guess, for, for nothing almost, right? Is it, is, it, is it a voluntary? Are they paid? It varies by EMC. You know, every EMC sets their own policy, so there's there's not a one-size thing. But, no, they aren't typically compensated in a big way. They may get a per diem to attend a meeting. There's a lot of training that goes into it. So in addition to serving on the board, these folks are expected to, to basically go through rigorous training to learn how to be, you know, to manage a, a corporation. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about your river house over on the Sapelo river you've recently added some upgrades to your house regarding energy that's really giving you i guess theoretically a little more independence tell me a little bit about that well i'm really excited to have to have accomplished that you know i installed the i've been 
designing, thinking about the system a long time, but finally got it operational back in, in February and March. It's a small solar generating system, small PV system, has battery backup, so when I have a power outage, it can continue to power the house. It's been great to see it function, you know, to, to look at the impact on my power bill. I've got, of course, being the geek I am, I've got all kinds of monitoring equipment that tells me how it's performing, and I can pull it up on my phone and just see, hey, is it a good day for, for solar energy today? As you go down that Sapelo River and kind of out into the first part of the ocean there with those, uh, with those islands, the intercoastal waterway, St. Catherine's Island is is there, uh, Ossabaugh Island is there, and it's M- Mr. Wood spent all that time on St. Catharines, and he showed me in his house uh, all of the shells and different, I guess, memorabilia that he collected from there. I mean, there was, you know, this oyster business over there. There were the, the lady that played uh, the Good Witch. What was she called in the uh, in, in the Wizard of Oz in New York? She, Mrs. Keys. She was a resident there for a while. She was a Broadway star. Uh, the, the island really has, you know, some of the most unique history of any I've seen in Georgia. All of these islands, tremendous history. You know, there uh, there was a, a a Spanish mission there that for years people tried to tried to find actually mr wood said he knew where it was he didn't need ground penetrating radar to locate this thing he could have showed him and saved him a lot of time allegedly button Gwinnett lived there um, you know mr woods told me about when he met charles Lindbergh, who flew in in his private plane and took you know uh you know just landed there on the island you know it's 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 amazing the history that the barrier islands have, not only from the human perspective, but from the natural perspective as well. You know, just walking these beaches, if you ever have a chance to go to these more remote areas, St. Catharines, Blackbeard, Sapelo, uh, Osamaw, they're, they're just unique places. We're truly blessed to have that kind of, of diversity, you know, in our backyard. We're doing this interview down at the Georgia Climate Conference, sponsored by the Department of Natural Resources. We have this 100 miles of coast. I'm trying to get to every barrier island. I haven't done it yet, but because some of them, it's a little tricky to get a boat in there because you've got this channel that kind of weaves back and forth. I remember going out to Asaba with the DNR guys, and they were they were just weaving back and forth. I said, "Why are we? Why are we going back and forth so much?" He said, "Well, I'm trying to stay." in the channel so it's it's not easy and you've got you've got a boat and a sailboat so you've been out there i have you know georgia there it's 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 good and bad obviously we have a tremendous tidal range that provides the energy to drive the the marsh system and and generate all of the the wildlife we have but as a result you know currents move things around the channels continually shift there's a lot of silt in the water you can't see the bottom like you can in the bahamas local knowledge is everything but you know like the the shrimpers the commercial fishermen the crabbers i see you know they know those waters and and those are the best guys to learn from we kind of poke along very cautiously but we're just learning the the area we haven't lived here all our lives I sat down with DNR a while back. It's been a couple of years, and they have this special computer program that overlays various different things about the ocean uh, out from us. Uh, you know, just you know, forty miles out. You know, from the shipping channel to the the reefs that are artificial reefs that are under the water to um, even the blocks, what they call blocks, which are obviously not marked, but they, they are marked from a, a GPS standpoint that companies like the Southern Company can lease. And the Southern Company has a lease on a couple of very large blocks kind of off of Tybee with the idea maybe one day to put large wind turbines there. I'm not sure, I'm not sure it'll ever happen. There's about 15 permitting agencies to have to prove it. I mean, if you were predicting the future, would you think we would one day get large uh, offshore wind turbines or is it, is it just going to be too expensive? Well, offshore wind in some areas obviously makes some sense. You see it, you know, in, in the UK, big deal. Over here in the US, you know, there are some up in, in, in off of like Martha's Vineyard. The, the Georgia coast, not really a great wind resource area. The, 
the wind isn't consistent, you need a good high average wind speed, consistent wind to make that happen. Then the other question is, where's that energy you're generating going, you know, to, to lay a submarine cable to get that power ashore to tie into the grid is also an expensive proposition. So, you know, I, I, it's important to look at a variety of renewables. I think wind makes sense in the right locations. I'm not sure George is the best place for that. Well, as we wrap up this segment, I'm kind of dedicating this segment to John Toby Woods Jr. and his service. As I sat there with him, Alan, uh, and looking at all the things in his home, his manuscripts, uh, his book that you had loaned me that I read, and then he gave me his own copy. But he had these two other large manuscripts that are that are done that he really hopes will be at least electronically saved uh, and maybe put on a Kindle or something like that. But uh, you know, we've, we've got these great Georgians, these unsung heroes who have really delivered phenomenal community service to their friends, their neighbors, their fellow EMC members. And uh, Mr. Wood, Mr. Wood deserves a special shout out. Oh, he certainly does. You know, I had the, the pleasure of meeting him several years ago. He, he shared with me a, a couple of the manuscripts. It's a phenomenal read, just the history, the detail, the the connections in those books. I really do hope he's he's able to save that information and, and more people can can benefit from that experience. Well, thanks a lot, Alan. appreciate you being on Energy Matters. Uh, you've been on here before, and we really love to talk about sustainability, saving money, uh, being able to use technology. And today uh, we honor John Toby Woods, Jr., uh, still alive, but for his great service to our state. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tim. Hey, Tim Eccles uh, on Energy Matters. Stick around. Uh, We'll be right back. Energy Matters would like to thank GasSouth for its support of the show. GasSouth has a no-deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per-therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. GasSouth, the difference is good. GasSouth believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth. The difference is good. Logan Booker, producer of Energy Matters, here for Green Power EMC. From the suburbs to rural farming communities, Georgia is enjoying the benefits of a more sustainable future through the power of solar energy. Available from 38 of Georgia's member-owned electric membership cooperatives, or EMCs, these not-for-profit utilities are harnessing the sun's energy to bring clean, renewable, and affordable electricity to 4.2 million Georgians. For more information, visit www.greenpoweremc.com or contact your local EMC. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AmLaw 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, Tim Eccles back on Energy Matters. At the Jekyll Island Convention Center, the Georgia Climate Conference sponsored by DNR with my friend Andrew Richard. Andrew, you were here at the Georgia Energy Conference yesterday. You pulled in a very large contraption. What is it? It is our portable DC fast charger. Runs on renewable propane and renewable natural gas. It's called the EV Power Pod. So you work for Electrify EVSE. And what does that all stand for? Uh, Electrify EVSE is EVSE stands for Electric Vehicle Service Equipment. So basically it's the chargers that you see out in the field for our electric vehicles. So 
a lot of people that have electric cars, uh, they charge at home, and that's good because that's really cheap electricity. But there are times when you are in a place that doesn't have chargers or there's a lot of vehicles in a place and they only have one or two or three chargers. So your pod allows a person to get a fast charge, but in a portable way. Absolutely right. We can uh, outfit this with a 60 kilowatt DC fast charger that does dual share charging or a single charge at 60 kilowatts or dual dual charging at uh, 30 kilowatts each. And we also have a 120 kilowatt charger that we can place on the unit uh, that would share power if there was two drivers to uh, 60 kilowatts per charging your car to 80 percent in around 30 to 35 minutes uh, also we can uh, we can also place this with level two chargers and a dc fast charger so if you're you're out at a, at a concert or you're out at, at, at a job site uh, you don't have to run that power for that event or that construction site you can place one of these pods there charge people the new equipment the bulldozers that are coming about for electric and you can charge them very very quickly and then for the trucks you can do the level two charging overnight at road atlanta for the petite lamar coming up november the 8th we'll have about an acre on the track across from the fan zone for electric vehicles uh, we'll have a solar tree from Cobb emc jackson emc will have their lineman trailer we'll be doing cookouts for those ev drivers that are there we need to rent your pod to set there and be able to charge all these cars because there's not one single car charger at road atlanta Absolutely, and we'd be excited to be there for that. Uh, we do have leasing options, that it, and we do have opportunity to make that available to you. Um, you know, these are heavy-duty trailers, uh, so if you've got ruts in the field, or if you've got, you know, uh, even if it's clean pavement, uh, we can make it pretty much anywhere in the country. If it's a desert, we can even get it out for those types of testing of new vehicles out in the deserts. We have a nice little uh, 20 by 20 cement pad in the middle of this uh, that's level. Last year we had a solar tree on it. This year we'd like to put your pod on it because more and more, I think, Tesla drivers, uh, more and more sports car drivers are interested in these very fast cars. We'll have a Porsche Taycan there. We'll have an Audi e-tron. We'll have just about everything there to showcase for these over 100,000 fans that will be coming to the racetrack. You're absolutely right, and that would be a great location for it, um, knowing that those bigger batteries do need that higher concentration of power to get them you know, charged up so that they can you know, do their race. Uh, we are also going to be a down up in Dominion uh, Energy. We're going to be doing a race with them uh, at one of their locations in Virginia in September. Uh, so we're actually outfitted to do that exactly what you're talking about. So it, it'll be a good opportunity for everybody. Let's talk about hurricanes. We're on the coast here at the Georgia Climate Conference and doing this interview out in the lobby. Um, But hurricanes are pretty common down here, especially as you get into the fall every year. And oftentimes the county will issue an evacuation order. And so they'll take the expressway. They'll have both lanes leaving, uh, uh, running the contra lanes, I think they call it. And I just had a lady at the Rotary Club the other day bring this point up. She said, if everybody gets electric cars and we're leaving the area for the hurricane and there's power outages, how are we going to get power? I mean, it sounds like your contraption was really made to be able to put it a rest stop, put it a way station so that electric cars fleeing a hurricane area can actually keep going. You're absolutely correct. And this was designed for that evacuation. And and as we started showing it to the population, people were saying, hey, this can be used more than just for evacuation. Uh, So you're absolutely right. This can be set up. It's got a 210-gallon tank on the pot itself. Uh, It can run continuously throughout the disaster situation and then quickly be moved to another point to where the cars are, are we're getting them hundreds of miles outside of their disaster area and also tim as you know we can we can add a port onto this to make uh uh, three phase 480 available for these uh these other types of tents and and um, pop-up sites that may may be needed to uh, assist with getting people out of an area or you know for medical situations or if they just need some air conditioning uh we can we can make those that port available as well it sounds like it's a traditional generator that just runs on renewable fuel is it more than that 
Well, this this technology, these power plants, uh, the 120 kilowatt as well as the 60 kilowatt, they've been tried, true, and tested over the last 30 to 40 years. Um, and these this power pod is designed to last for 30 to 40 years. Uh, you do have your normal maintenance that you have to do yearly, but as long as you're staying on top of that, the technology is built to make it that way. And it is. It's it's a you know it's a power plant that originally was used uh, for diesel. Uh, we were able to figure out how to convert that over to use renewables and and propane natural gas and renewable natural gas. You know, as you think about autonomous cars, everybody's talking about autonomous trucks and cars that might eventually be around that will be electric. Uh, And so people are starting to ask infrastructure questions like, is the paint on the road ready for autonomous vehicles? Because these these this LIDAR on this on these cars, I mean, they have lots of cameras they have to have something as a point of reference. And and so as we think about painting, pavement, all of this is going to become more and more important that it be consistent and to a standard. And obviously planning for an evacuation when public safety is paramount and being able to help people who, I mean, let's say we have, let's say we have 500 cars leaving Savannah that are electric cars. And let's say that some of them only have a, a hundred mile range. Uh, and, well, the, and, and every hotel they stop at is full as they go down I-16. We've got to be able to, for the, for the safety of the public, be able to help them with fuel, whether it's gasoline or whether it's electric. I agree with you a hundred percent. And if the power is, if, if the, if it becomes an issue with power and you're connected to a grid that no longer can give you power what are we going to do you know the the gas station is going to be gone you, you don't have power to run the gas pump you won't have power to run the the charger for the electric vehicle and this is the only opportunity that i can see without running a diesel generator or something of that nature which which has entered the market um, this is ultimately the opportunity to be able to provide that charging infrastructure that we require you know, as I think about, okay, who should have this? You know, should it be the state with kind of the emergency management group? Probably so. Should it be the power company? Because if you think about when a hurricane happens, everyone else is leaving, but power trucks are going towards the outages, and they are really good at staging equipment. They know, okay, at this place we're going to set up a camp. And in these, I call them man camps, but there are obviously females there as well, but as they set up these camps, They've got toilet trailers, they've got shower trailers, they've got sleeping trailers, they've got food trailers, uh, because this is, you know, this is a a large group of people coming that are going to be working to restore power. So, I mean, what do you think about having utilities own these devices and use them in case of emergencies? Yeah, it, that's exactly who, with our partner Gresco out of Forsyth, Georgia. They are in tune along with the group with uh, Oglethorpe Power. Uh, these people, we've been working with them for years. Uh, they do have the ability to get these, this type of information out to those individuals. Um, they've they've already you know worked with them on other different utility equipment, uh, so they're very familiar with the the process of buying and selling equipment through these groups. So it is important that that's an easy streamline um, because you know you want to make sure that the confidence is there that the product has already been run through with partners that you're already using uh, but also another important thing is the the policemen's association you know you have uh, a lot of the time when it comes to disaster and and evacuation situations the police are involved so if you can if you can piggyback the policemen's association even in Florida and Georgia and, and if they have one of these available to them uh, they can easily deploy it uh, directly to the crisis center uh, along with the utilities you're absolutely right we have great men and women out there the line people uh, you know they're always driving into the danger right so you know you place the you place the power pot on the back of one of the boom trucks and now they uh, they can coordinate with whether it's the Red Cross they could coordinate whether it's with the you know the army or or um, whomever actually needs to have access to this type of power um, and they can bring it down to them and make it available to those entities. Just in our last 30 seconds, how can people find out more about this product? 
Well, you can give a, uh, you can go ahead in, in the southeastern region. You can reach out to uh, Gresco, Mark Dennis. Um, he's an excellent resource for you. Or you can reach out directly to me at electrifyevsc.com. Uh, you can find my information there, and you can speak with any one of our associates. Uh, we are na- nationwide, so if you have the opportunity and you, and you want to learn more about it, give me a call, andrew.richard at electrifyevsc.com. The market is working. The market is creating this unique product that's going to help us with a need in the future. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for everything you do, Commissioner. We really appreciate you. Thank you, sir. As Tim Eccles stick around, we've got more great energy information right around the corner. You're listening to Energy Matters. Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com, solarsunworld.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. Reducing pollution from the transportation industry is an important goal, and few alternative vehicle fuels offer the distinct advantages of compressed natural gas. I myself drive an F-150 C&G pickup. Marlin Compression, part of Marlin Gas Services, is helping to usher in this clean energy future to the Port of Savannah, too. Not only is Marlin Compression a trusted provider of CNG for fleet fueling, they are also working with Port Fueling Center on a state-of-the-art CNG truck fueling facility. Learn more about the distinct economic and environmental advantages of using natural gas for trucking fleets of all sizes and explore all of Marlin Services by visiting Marlin Compression.com. That's MarlinCompression.com. Calculate your savings today. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Hey, Tim Eccles back on Energy Matters with my new friend, Daryl Preble. And Daryl has a very long resume. You know me, I'm a triple dog, but he got out a little more than I did. Daryl, you uh, take take us through uh, take us through your undergrad and 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 kind of how it got you thinking about the future. Undergrad, I was always interested in in the ocean and physics. So I thought I was going to be a physical oceanographer, <laughs> but uh, uh, I didn't have the grades or money to, to do that. But anyway, I worked on submarines, which my grandfather also did in World War II and worked on Newport News Shipbuilding Dry Dock. Uh, and uh, after that, went to Georgia State University in scientific programming group, then um, accidentally acquired a master's in theoretical nuclear physics, which eventually put me uh, to do the nuclear. Hold on. How do you, get, how do you accidentally get a master's in theoretical nuclear what? Nuclear physics. Well, working at Georgia State University, I enjoy universities. I've been to three of them. But uh, I saw this course one summer at in oceanography, uh, partly at Skidaway Research Institute, which is a wonderful facility in Georgia. And I thought, well, I'll take the class. They say I can take classes for free. I'm on the staff. So I walked over and said, 
I'd like to take the class. She said, well, put your student number down. Student number. I, I, I don't have a student number. Well, you, you have to be a student to take a class. Oh, well, <laughs> I guess I could, you know, go back and take a few classes, and, and then next summer I'll come back and take the class. So I matriculated again and said, well, I'll, I guess I can, you know, work on a you know, master's in physics, uh, and, and so I'll do that. So I come back the next summer to take my class in oceanography at Georgia State University. Well, I get up to the nice little girl, and she says, um, do you have the prerequisites for this class? Prerequisites? <sighs> well, I, I guess I need to take a few more classes. Uh, so I come back the next summer. I bought the book, by the way, the oceanography textbook. <laughs> so I come back the next summer to take my class in oceanography. And, 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 and she says, well, it's a very popular class. I'm sorry, you're a little late. If you'd come earlier in the session, we could have got you in. But it's closed out that we just, there's no room. This is incredible. I, I kind of accidentally got a second master's because I, the first one seemed like it was so easy, just, you know, a couple classes a week. Hey, let's just keep this habit going. And, I mean, nothing wrong with being a lifelong learner, is it? Oh, no, learning is great. I, I heartily encourage it. Uh, everybody should be learning. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I have taught a number of college students in places here and there, and I always tell them when they ask a question, they feel like maybe it's a dumb question. Say, oh, no, 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 the, the only dumb question is the question you should have asked but, but didn't. Well, we've been at this conference. Uh, you were at the Georgia Energy Conference. You're here at the Georgia Climate Conference now. And... There's a lot going on about space right now. We've got rich billionaires flying up to space. We're talking about Mars. I myself, and we've talked about it on the show before, I myself began my faith walk as Neil Armstrong shared his faith story at my church when I was 11 years old. So Neil Armstrong uh, you know, has a special place in my heart, but you have started a solar space company. You've got this idea, and I meet a lot of inventors and folks that are doing research and, and design and development, and you've got this idea. Tell us about this plan and how it might work. Space solar power is actually a, a simple idea. Let's look at it that way, because it is really simple. A lot of people are familiar with photovoltaic panels. They collect sunshine and turn it into electricity. Very, very nice. And they're used in a lot of places, a lot of great uh, ideas. But if you take a solar panel and move that solar panel from a rooftop to geosynchronous orbit, you actually get 9.6 times more energy out of it, which is very nice. But even more critically, from the standpoint of the electric power grid, I, I used to work for a Southern Company Services for uh, 12 or 13 years, and the problem with what, say, what California or, or Texas and many many states are pushing the renewable power standards, led by California, which is also won the Blackout Queen Award for their fires, grid outages, loss of life, loss of property. They've spent, I think, the state of California has created a, uh, a fire liability utility fund, which I believe is funded by $21 billion in liability insurance from the California. And uh, PG&E went bankrupt uh, because of their fires and et cetera, property and loss of life, uh, manslaughter, whatever. But they went bankrupt to the tune of $25.5 billion, I believe. Uh, so they've spent, well, in, in those two items alone, 40, almost $47 billion uh, keeping PG&E afloat. This was, would be, have been their second bankruptcy. They went bankruptcy in 2001. And you know what happens when utilities go bankrupt? All those contracts that those solar developers had with PG&E, and guess what bankruptcy does to contracts? The contracts are null and void. 
<laughs> that's right. And that's why, Daryl, that's why we're in trouble uh, at our nuclear power plant because Toshiba bankrupted Westinghouse got out of the contract. And this is exactly what's happened for solar developers in PG&E's territory. Well, the sun is brighter, of course, at high altitude, uh, especially geosynchronous, when they are basically continuously always in bright sunshine, brighter than here on Earth. And of course, it's not interrupted by nighttime or clouds or rain, etc. So as I say, you get 9.6 times more energy out of it, and it is always on. Uh, there is, if you don't adjust the orbit, uh, you, you, you will get uh, a maximum outage of about 72 minutes at local midnight, which means that if, if you are entirely dependent only on space solar power, which could be done, uh, the, only, the only issue you have is that local midnight and fall and spring equinoxes, March 21st, September 21st, at midnight, uh, you wouldn't have any power for 72 minutes at the most. Uh, they would have a capacity factor of about 99.3%. What's the mileage difference between low and high orbit? Low orbit, for example, the, uh, this, the uh, space, International Space Station is in low Earth orbit, uh, and it's a sort of a dangerous place to live. Uh, there is a lot more debris up there. Uh, the Chinese, for example, uh, targeted an old satellite of theirs and <laughs> scattered thousands of more bits of debris in low Earth orbit. People like uh, Elon Musk, for example, is putting up, uh, he's put up, I think it's 1,200 satellites currently, putting up more. But he's planning on those and expecting that they will occasionally be hit. And if you have 1,200 satellites up there, you lose one, it's not really that big a deal. So they're expecting to survive the uh, occasional <laughs> hit by uh, something in low Earth orbit. Now, at geosynchronous orbit, which is harder to get uh, allocations for, significantly harder, because if you have something at geosynchronous orbit, it will generally stay there virtually forever if you take care of it. Uh, most of the stuff in geosynchronous orbit, eventually, because it runs out of station-keeping fuel, uh, is pushed off to what they call a graveyard orbit. I just want to thank you for being on Energy Matters today, and thank you for your very cool ideas, and best of luck as you continue to try to get traction with your solar space idea. Thank you very much for allowing me to uh, share the radio with you. It's uh, been a pleasure, and I uh, look forward to maybe talking again one day. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. You've been listening to Energy Matters on the road, Jekyll Island, Georgia Climate Conference. Hey, it's Tim Eccles. Stick around. We've got more great energy information right around the corner. You're listening to Energy Matters. Energy Matters would like to thank Gas South for its support of the show. Gas South has a no deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. Gas South, the difference is good. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure you receive the highest quality solar energy system in the industry. They're proud to work with you before, during, and after the install, blending customer demand, system capability, and expertise to provide the best service possible. Contact them today at 770-485-7438 or creativesolarusa.com. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. 
This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, Tim Eccles, last segment today here on the road at Atlanta Motor Speedway, one of my favorite places to come, but here out in the parking lot, actually, about 100 degrees with my friends, uh, Alan and Ann, uh, Ann Blair from the EV Club of the South and Alan Shedd from Oglethorpe Power. We're here to see the new Ford EV products. I mean, Ann, we heard about this late, we got in on it, but this brand going EV is so important, isn't it? It's really exciting because we need a diversity of vehicles to reach more people. Um, And the Ford F-150 Lightning is a really exciting technology that I think we're going to get. It's going to excite a lot of people and we're going to diversify and expand electrification in the state with these vehicles. So, Alan, there's a couple of, um, I guess, what would be considered just cargo vans and various bodies on them. These are vehicles that get even heavier use. That's right. These are the Transit Connect vehicles. They are like either last mile delivery vehicles or, of course, a lot of contractors use them for for carrying tools, going to the job site. You know, great platform to electrify. Let me ask you all about this vehicle to grid uh, allowance. Uh, if you remember, I mean, we all drive electric vehicles and we know that if we did vehicle to grid with our vehicles that it would void the warranty. But it seems like Ford is actually going to be marketing this ability, Alan. Well, what they're doing is is really more vehicle to home or vehicle to building. They're not actually putting that energy back on the grid. It's designed to serve as sort of like a backup generator. So if your power goes off at your house, the truck can power your house. Or on a job site where you don't have electricity, you can run your power tools. And Ann, as you know, you and I, as we, as we think about trying to get the rest of the state, besides just Atlanta, to adopt electric vehicles, this feature Alan's talking about, I mean, how important is that to get middle and south Georgia to accept an electric vehicle? Well, I think it's it, it's critical. I mean, as I said earlier, we need that more diversity of vehicles, and then having that access to backup power will, you know, help in terms of resiliency during storms and many other things that 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 could happen. You know, you think about Tesla and Rivian and these companies that that don't want to use a traditional dealer network, and here we're we're at a Ford Motor Company event. Some, you know, a, an, an OEM that's you know been around forever with automobiles and having them get involved with with vehicles where you can get it at any Ford dealer across you know across the state and that seems like that could you know it seems like that uh, that having a dealer involved Alan is going to just make it I guess more palatable more acceptable for the average person well it certainly makes it more approachable I mean no question Rivian Tesla make great vehicles but you know the the typical consumer likes that dealer experience they like to go kick the tires talk to a dealer think about not that they need a lot of service but the the dealer is there if they need it so i think it will help acceptance getting them in the hands of dealers in in rural georgia will be important and i mean we've got now over 50 maybe 55 vehicles that 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 has a plug cox automotive that owns uh, the pivot facility that we frequent uh, their electric mobility facility they're still kind of bearish on on evs only growing a percent a year what what are you hearing in terms of how aggressive the growth curve is going to be for electric vehicles well i think a lot of it is going to depend on more automakers getting more vehicle options out there to consumers and this is just one step in, in that journey i think that you know, one percent is 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 very slow. We'd like to see a lot more. I think there's a range of projections uh, that are that are out there, and we need it to move a bit faster than one percent if we're going to uh, reduce emissions to the degree that we need to uh, to um, help support EV manufacturing, the economy, and also uh, reduce emissions for the environment. You know, the state's just recently purchased a mega site in Bryan County in Claxton, Georgia, about an hour from Savannah, and 
At the time of this recording, we don't know exactly what that might be used for, but it is rumored that it could possibly be an automobile manufacturing plant. It's certainly big enough. I mean, with the batteries in North Georgia, how cool, Alan, would it be to actually have an electric vehicle manufacturer make cars here? Well, of course it'd be great. Now, you know, Volkswagen in Chattanooga is going to be building the ID4 there. It's, I suspect that Kia will be, you know, switching some of their operations at, at the LaGrange facility to manufacturing electric vehicles, but there's plenty of room for everybody. We could certainly use another manufacturer here. And I was down at Kia, and they've changed their logo uh, to kind of represent what the future is. And I know from talking with uh, Rick down at that plant that they're anxious to add more chargers down there, that they do anticipate rolling out more electric vehicles. And besides the cars, we do have Bluebird in Fort Valley, Alan. And I know for a while, 25% of the engines coming off the Bluebird line were gaseous, either methane or propane. But they're coming on strong with electric. They certainly are, and in conversations with Bluebird, they anticipate that half of their production will be electric, you know, uh, by 2025 or, or shortly thereafter. So they see a big growth in, in the electric bus market. Yeah, so you got the Thomasville bus that's going to be sold in Peterbilt dealerships. You've got the E-Lion. You've got the Bluebird. So it does seem like school buses are going to be something that's going to be very popular and those do have the ability to do the vehicle to grid. Yeah, they absolutely do. And I think, you know, the sooner we can clean up vehicles like the heaviest versions, whether it be school buses or transit buses or freight vehicles, um, you know, the 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 quicker we're going to reduce the emissions and reduce impacts to to kids health for example with with electric school buses there are a lot of new federal proposals that could expedite the uh, transition of more school buses to electric i think we have a huge opportunity uh, to electrify that sector and also create some new economic you know opportunities here in the state i'm i, I am seeing some key Republicans changed their mind on electric vehicles. I've been kind of surprised over the last, I guess it's really been since COVID, and maybe it's this F-150 that we're here to drive today at this Ford Experience Day. Maybe that's what's changing it. Maybe, it, maybe it's the battery plant, but I don't know. Have you, have you sensed a change in Republicans, or is it just me? No, I, I certainly have. I mean, once more people get exposed to how cool the technology is, both in terms of how fun it is to drive, but then also what the manufacturing and economic opportunities, the business opportunities are, I think that's that's both the technology itself and then those opportunities, I think, is what it, is exciting more people. Alan, you work with these EMCs. They're mostly rural. They're out in the country, uh, yet I, I'm... You know, I'm hearing and I heard today from one of the EMCs at an event I was at before this recording that they were buying three Teslas. Uh, and you're seeing others that are ordering these trucks, and it, it just seems like there's some excitement even within the EMCs. Absolutely. In fact, uh, some of my colleagues from Central Electric are here uh, at the at the event. Just talk to them. You know, they're excited about the, the F-150 Lightning, adding it to their fleet. But EMCs across the state are, are getting excited about electric vehicles, helping explain what the excitement is about to their members as well. I've said all along that power companies have the greatest vested interest in selling and promoting electric vehicles because they generate and sell the fuel. I mean, how illogical it would be for them not to support electric vehicles. So I, th I think they maybe don't want to get out ahead of public opinion or maybe get out ahead of the political leadership. I'm, I, I'm not sure, but I, I do sense a change. And I have a feeling these trucks, and we're about to start our seminar momentarily, but I, uh, I have a feeling these trucks are going to be very instrumental. And as we wrap up uh, this segment and this show today, what are you most hopeful about in the electric vehicle space because you've been in it for quite a while. Yeah, I think the the, uh, the increase in the number of vehicle options, but I also think, you know, this is a huge opportunity, as you mentioned, for utilities. And I think uh, electrifying the medium and heavy duty sector is gonna create enormous opportunity uh, for the companies, uh, both in terms of auto manufacturers as well as the utilities. And then it, it's gonna create a better environment for all of us, cleaner, you know, uh, cleaner air and just a, a, a better world. Yeah, how about you, Alan, as you 
kind of see more uh, adoption of the electric vehicles with EMC, something you've been working on for a couple years and you're seeing the fruit of that labor come about? Is it what was kind of the next step for the EMCs? Well, you know, it's it's interesting that we're starting to reach critical mass. You know, we've got the political interest. We've got more interest from governments, from individuals. Our members are asking questions. More more vehicle choices available. All of those things are conspiring to, to make EV adoption actually happen, not just in metro Atlanta, but, but across the state. Yeah, so as we wrap up this show, just think about this, folks. You've got a chance to get a $7,500 federal tax credit if you get a fully electric vehicle uh, that that can be baked into a lease or it can be taken as uh, you know as just a tax credit uh, on your on your income tax if you itemize you've got the opportunity to ride for free in the express lane uh, in Gwinnett County as you're coming in if you're on the north side of town that's worth uh, just yesterday it's $15 one way in the rain uh, to be able to do that I mean 15 times uh, 20 that that's your car payment right there just the savings and the toll uh, and then you've got the time of use charging rate that Georgia Power will provide you. Cobb EMC gives you free power overnight. Uh, and we found that customers that are doing this can actually reduce their overall power bill. So it makes a lot of sense. So hope you'll consider an EV. I'm Tim Eccles. You've been listening to Energy Matters. Have a great weekend, everyone. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. If Cabot Exterior Stain was a chair, it'd be upholstered in rich, full-grain leather imported from Italy. Crafted with premium quality for over 140 years, Cabot is made to bring out the true character of wood and help it tell the story it was born to tell. Cabot, trusted by pros for over 140 years. Available at a retailer near you.